Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Rob Jones, well, he's got a broken pinky finger. He could possibly miss a game. We'll tell you what Bruce Arians had to say about that. Tom Brady, he yawned. I was listening during his interview with Jim Gray on Westwood One. Wonder when the Bucks' offense will wake up early in games. He mentioned that as well. And are the Gators no longer shoe-ins to make college football's playoffs? See what I did there? We'll talk about Marco Wilson's mistake. Roger Goodell says they haven't decided on a seating capacity for the Super Bowl. And, you know, as of yesterday, it was 55 days until Super Bowl 55. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, Mr. Empanada, they'd like to wish everyone a very, very Merry Christmas. And with the holidays coming up, what better way to celebrate them than to safely get together with family and friends? And you know what? You can also order some Mr. Empanada. They got Cuban sandwiches, um, all their uh, great empanadas, of course. And Mr. Empanada really appreciates their customers. They want to show you their eagerness to move on to 2021 and a much better year ahead. All you have to do is go ahead and order online at MrEmpanada.com or call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food quality and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. All right, Steve, we are chock full of stuff uh, coming off the weekend, of course. Uh, didn't have much time to discuss much beyond the Bucks yesterday on the podcast. We'll talk about them as well. Um, but also, man, so much going on in the world of sports right now. Uh, which we'll get to here in just a minute. Uh, let's begin uh, with Ronald Jones, the news uh, out of the Bucks when we talked to Bruce Arians in the sort of the, the post-mortem, if you will, on Monday, uh, was that um, he's got a broken pinky figure. He didn't know it, or at least they didn't know it until the end of the game. He did finish the entire game uh, with that. And, you know, this is... This is a similar injury. They were trying to determine if he needed a pin in that finger, uh, much like Chris Godwin did on his left hand when he broke his left index finger. We remember, you know, Godwin, um, that was kind of a freakish thing, making a touchdown catch. He put his hand down, and he wound up missing a game. And Godwin is a really tough dude. I mean, I don't know many receivers that continue to play with the pin in their hand, in their finger, uh, which he did. He wore, which is almost like a catcher's mitt at practice, but then they had a customized glove and a wrap and everything on him, and he did not miss but one game. Um, you know, you think about a running back, and the first thing that, you know, you, you worry about is, will they have trouble, you know, holding on to the football? You know, and again, this is his little finger, um, but it is the last one to sort of wrap underneath the football, and you know, if he's going to get hit on it, is that going to be a pain tolerance thing? Is it something he can handle? So, you know, certainly a concern. And Ronald Jones, you know, the, the emphasis, I think, when they came out of the bye week was to run the ball more. They actually ran it more than they than they passed it the other day. And Jones had about 90 yards. He's very close to a 1,000-yard season. He's had a hell of a year. And they, they're going to make him, you know, more of a focal part of the offense as – 
the weeks go forward. And so this is an untimely injury. They play Atlanta twice in the next three weeks. You know, in the middle they have the Detroit Lions. But you've just benched Leonard Fournette. And if Jones can't go, Fournette would then be active. And you wonder if there's any bad feelings there. And then Shady McCoy came back a little bit, sort of as your third down back. So they got numbers of running backs. But, man, Ronald Jones has sort of been a little bit of the engine of their offense. Yeah, you hate to see it. It's just as they're putting that emphasis on the run game, as you mentioned. They ran it a lot more. He's the back that they keep going to. I mean, they've benched Leonard Fournette, put Shady McCoy in now. But Ronald Jones is their their one back, their their number one guy. Um, you worry about, I mean, with you know, with Chris Godwin with the finger, you worry about it catching the ball. Mm-hmm. But I think it's even more critical with the running back holding the ball, holding it, yeah, and, you know, taking hits Getting on hit. that hand, right, you right. Know, is that going to cough up the ball? Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what you worry about. I mean, you know, the, the what they do now with the medical staffs and what these players can put up with pain tolerance wise is amazing these days. So yeah. he, I mean, he, that doesn't mean he's not playing Sunday, but it does. Right. It is concerning. You know, it's funny. Like, I obviously didn't play football. Um, well, maybe it's not obvious. <laughs> I'm big enough to play, <laughs> but um, but folks, I did not play football. I sound like Howard Cosell, the late uh, great, you know, ABC. And I never played that game, um, but but I did play baseball. And you know, and I've been an athlete. Played played high school basketball and all that. The thing about your hands that you almost take for granted is. Um, there's a lot of nerve endings in them, and it's very painful when something happens to one of them, and it radiates through your entire body. I remember I did something really stupid late in my career. This is not about me, but I'll make it about me. Um, I was it was one of the last series of college baseball, and uh, it was early. Like we usually play like four game series, and it was like game one or something like that. And I, I actually it was rare, but I got a hit, and I was rounding first, and I slipped like did one of those wipeout deals. And when I did, I reached my hand down to kind of like keep from going head over tea kettle. Mm-hmm. And I stepped on my finger. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. But I spiked myself, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And it sort of cut it open. Well, more than sort of, it actually did cut it open. But it wasn't broken. It was bruised. But just trying to grip a bat after that, and it's one of ten fingers, right? So you think, well, how bad could it be? I still got nine other ones that can swing the bat. No, it hurt like hell. And I, I managed to finish the game, but I, I missed most of that series because I couldn't put any pressure you know, on the bat when you swing through. Um, you want to be able to not like lose the bat. So what I'm saying is you just don't – like these are the toughest athletes in the world. and I mean, they're not babies like me, I'm sure. I don't know, and and even even by NFL standards, they said what Chris Godwin did was ridiculous, right? Like that that dude is like, I think Bruce Arians called him the toughest receiver he's ever ever coached. We're talking about guys like Heinz Ward, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, um, that's high praise. So, you know, I, I we're gonna find out, and and I don't know that it'll be a matter of toughness, but if he gets a chance to play, you know. You're coming down the stretch here in these final three games. A turnover is huge, and even with ten good fingers, Ronald Jones has has fumbled the ball a few times this year. So, and then the other part of it is, and I know these guys are professionals, but you know Leonard Fournette's in the doghouse. I mean, 
it, it was something that Tom Brady had been asking for to play Shady McCoy, according to Shady McCoy. <laughs> he says Brady had been asking for me each week. You know, you got to get Shady in there. Got to get Shady in there. Well, they finally did. And the reason they did was because Fournette's in the doghouse. He just hasn't played well. He had the three drops against the Rams. Um, and then when they've handed him the ball, he just hasn't run it well. So no production. Now, this is a guy that potentially, right, that maybe they would have an interest in signing to a longer-term deal, perhaps as a free agent. I think it's clear now he won't be back, plus, you know, with Ronald Jones' success. But now you got to turn to him and say, hey, we need you, big guy. <laughs> and he may, be, he may be your primary back, you know, because I don't know that you're going to put that 20-25 carry load on Shady McCoy. So it's good you have him, but by the same token – you wonder what his mindset is. It, I would imagine, much like Shady, who just couldn't wait to get back in there, and I thought, in addition to having fresh legs, he was really determined. He had some determined runs. But that depth at running back is going to be tested because you never thought about, well, what if they lose Jones? You know, because we just haven't seen a whole lot. The one 100-yard game, I think it was against Carolina early in the season, um, that you know Fournette had, Shady really is barely played and then then you've got guys you know some some of the rookies like Keyshawn Vaughn um we saw him earlier in the season in some some limited roles against Chicago when they had injuries so this is going to be interesting to see how they patch this together because I don't, you know, I don't worry about Fournette's mindset that much I mean no look these guys know it's a business I mean he knows he's got Shady McCoy sitting there who's another veteran more veteran than he is but Leonard's also playing for next season and where's he going to be at in a contract? Aha. Motivation and, and, right here. And, Opportunity. And it's motivation, right? And the playoffs. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, okay, you were in the doghouse. You got an opportunity Get now. Get out of it. Now yeah. you got a chance to grab the starting job, potentially, yeah. if, if Ronald potentially. Jones can't go. Right. And, you know, you run the ball well this week. and Or knock Shady McCoy out if he comes yeah, back. Right. You may, you may But you could end up being the starter. Mm-hmm. You have a good game this week against the Falcons. Right. You know, I mean, this is, you know, this happens all the Quite time the in this audition. league, man. Yeah. Somebody yeah. gets hurt and somebody else steps up. Right. And that's how Tom Brady got his job initially. Yes, it is. And uh, I heard guys talking about, you know, just that very thing, how, uh, you know, how, how difficult it was for, for Drew Blood. So, of course, they were talking about the Philadelphia Eagles situation in particular with, uh, you know, Jalen Carson Wentz. Yeah, Carson and that's Wentz, even yeah. harder. Have you seen that contract? Yeah, it's going to be hard to get out of. I mean, they're saying the right things with Philadelphia that, mm-hmm. you know, we want this guy back, blah, blah, blah. But basically, um, it's 20-something million dollars, but plus there's a huge – If he's not on – I think if he's not on the roster next year, if he if they trade him somewhere, it's $60 million cap hit next year. Is that true? That's what I heard. I, I, I'm i not 100% certain. I'd have to check and that. And it's like $40 million that might year be true. after. I know that there's like $18 million or something guaranteed – um, if he's on the roster, you know, usually it's the fifth day of the league year or whatever. So a lot of the money that they would owe him would then become there. There'd be like guaranteed money moving forward into that contract. So yeah, it's not going to be good whether they trade him or not. But it could be worse if they if they decided to keep him. I'm really curious if they're going to cut ties with him. And I, and frankly, one game, one start, albeit they beat the New Orleans Saints without Drew Brees. But one start, I don't think you just say, "Hey, we know, we got our new quarterback." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they have failed. All I remember is before the Eagles won the Super Bowl, that guy was going to be the most valuable player in the league with 33 touchdowns, 
Mm-hmm. And to a man, everybody said, well, it's just it's the worst luck in the world. He would have won this game. He would have taken us there. You know? And all of a sudden, Nick Foles becomes a folk hero. But but everything's gone south since then. And I don't think they have great receivers. And, and, and you know, the one element that Jalen brings you is that he can run the football. And, and he's a winner. I, I love the kid. I think I would have had him on my team just to have him on the team. I think he's going to be great. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a sticky one. So we got, got Ronald Jones hurt. Oh, and then, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the slow starts the Bucks have had, and that happened again with the five plays in the first quarter. Hey, real quick, um, just on the Wednesday, I was just looking it up. Mm-hmm. If, if he's not on, if he's released next year, Eagles yes. would have 59.2 million in dead money. Whew. Well, that's, that's fatal. You can't. I with mean, the salary un- cap, that's probably going down significantly. He's untradeable. Basically, I mean that's that's what that is. Yeah, just he's untradeable. That the dead money's fifteen million guaranteed base salary. Yeah, plus ten million for the third day of the league bonus, plus a bunch of others. There's a whole bunch of numbers, but yeah, yeah, fifty nine. And that's million the thing. You, he's got some payouts due, so mm-hmm. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take the cap hit if you get rid of him. But then you're gonna have to pay him cash money if you don't. On top of the cap situation, so. It's uh, there's really no good solution there other than he become the quarterback and play well. Um, I was mentioning, uh, so I was listening to Tom Brady. We talked about their slow starts, and we do this thing because you know we get Brady usually on Thursday, sometimes Friday, but usually Thursday for about seven and a half minutes. It's about seven, six or seven questions anyway, and that's that's our availability for him for the week until after the game. But he does this thing and has for years. Um, on Monday Night Football in Westwood One with Jim Gray. You know Jim Gray because you banned him from Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tom, will you show contrition? No, somebody else. Yeah, Pete Rose. That was Pete Rose at what the was it the All Star Game? All Star Game. Yeah, yeah. came walking out there. They had all the greats. That was a. Yeah, it was in Cincinnati. The All Star Game in Cincinnati, and that was an amazing. Wasn't that the year that Ted Williams came rolling out in the golf cart and all the all the All Stars went up to him or something or not? I don't I think it was remember. that year. No. Okay. That was that was soon after because that was in Boston. They did that. There was some year where they had you know, I don't know the greats of the great. Anyway, yeah. Um, but that Jim Gray, the decision Jim Gray. Um, so he he does this thing on Monday night. So we always listen to it because you know when Tom Brady speaks, you never know what he might say. He's Tom Brady. Maybe he'll tell us about the house he's building in Miami or about that speedboat. You never know. So I'm listening to him. <laughs> He's talking about um, this particular segment. He was talking about how he has to start faster, how he missed some throws, and it's really on him, um, you know, to hit those. And, and and there is some truth to that. Like, we've talked about the Bucks starting slow. Really, it's Tom Brady has started slow. I mean, Tom Brady's had some, you know, he's been hit a few times, but he's he's had some, some misreads. He's had some bad throws and maybe some decisions that he wish he had back. So... While he's saying this, there's an interruption. <laughs> you realize that Brady is yawning, like not just a little yawn. I mean, it was like, <gasps> like and you're like, what? What just? And, and he's like, Jim Gray's like, Am I, is this interviewing boring you, Tom? And Brady's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. He goes, it's been a long day, you know, since I don't get much sleep after these games, and you know. So on and so forth, and it's like maybe he's not getting think, much sleep during the week, and that's why he gets a slow start on Sunday. Well, maybe, but you're thinking, hey man, 
it was a one o'clock game, right? Yeah, well, they're undefeated at the one o'clock window, I believe. Correct? I think so. But so, see I mean, these eight o'clock you... interviews before Monday Night Football, those late games, he's too tired. That's the that's my point. My point is, had this been a Monday Night game, then he'd be out there yawning in warmups or something. I don't know. It was like ten minutes before the kickoff. So. They're going to try to have him back at halftime. I'm not sure he's going to be awake. <laughs> I think I think that phone might just go straight to voicemail. I'm not sure. They may be looking for Larry Fitzgerald to come back and talk because he talks on Monday nights too. So that was interesting. But uh, but they, you know, hey, look, and and people were talking about, and uh, I think I said this on the podcast. I mean, you know, there were elements of that game that were very very good for the Bucks, like. Once they got a two-score lead, their defense just went after, um, you know, went after them with a vengeance. Right? I mean, six sacks on the day. Well, look at that know. series late in the game where the Vikings had driven down the field. It was what was it first and goal, or was but they were close. Yeah, they were inside the fifteen. They should have had an intentional grounding penalty. The refs didn't yep. call. Right on first down. Right second down. They bring the extra that, guy around and get the sack. Sack. Okay, and then Tony, another sack. Yeah, yep, and, yeah, yeah, and then get another sack. I mean, you know, all of a sudden you thought the Vikings were going in to score and it was going to get real interesting. Right. And the defense gets, and, you know, yeah. it should have been intentional grounding and then two straight sacks, and then they missed mm-hmm. the field goal. Right. And no, then, those are huge. You know, at that point, the game was over, essentially. I mean, you know, yes. that, that series, that those three downs that right there, after right. Minnesota had driven down the field and got, got in scoring, got it first and goal, and and – you know, credit to uh, uh, Todd Bowles and his defense. I mean, in the play calling and, and the execution, it was phenomenal. Yeah, they did a good job. You know, they, they didn't blitz as much. Um, the one thing they were concerned with, and they stopped it, was guys like uh, Jefferson getting behind them. And that didn't happen. I mean, everything they kept everything in front. I think they, they learned from Tyreek the- Hill. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. We're not going to let them just burn by us one-on-one all day. And and a couple times, you know, Cousins had to pull the ball down because the coverage was good. And when he did, that's when he got hit and sacked. So everything kind of worked. You know, we've always talked about how the rush and the coverage has to work together. Well, it really did in that game. And, of course, when you're up two scores and it's late in the game, that's where the sacks come, right? Um, but to have six, that's a big number. They did that, I think, you know, once earlier this year. But, and then all of a sudden now you look and you go, hmm, Shaq Barrett has moved to the right side in the last two weeks. He's had three sacks and a forced fumble. But Jason Pierre-Paul hasn't really slowed down on the other side. And he's got, um, he's got like nine and a half sacks already. And in the last two years, these guys are at like 45 and a half sacks. Now I realize 19 and a half of those were Shaq's last year, and that they count. You know, if you consider JPP missed six games, right? Mm-hmm. He missed six games, and he still finished with eight and a half. So forty-five and a half sacks out of those two guys—that's about as good as that's got to be tops in the league, I would imagine, without even looking. But you know, next year you've got Shaquille Barrett's going to be a free agent again. I guess they could apply the franchise tag one more time if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. JPP has another year left on his contract because they ripped it up and did a two-year deal, but it's twelve and a half million. And again, fifth fifth day of the league year, they got to pay him a two and a half million dollar signing bo- or bonus, I think, to keep to keep him on the team. 
He's 33 years old, going to be 34. Doesn't show signs of slowing down on Sunday, but during the week it's a chore to get him to Sunday because he doesn't practice. Um, He's had a bunch of knee problems, different things. Of course, the neck is always a concern, but it's been okay. So Indomitian Sue is a free agent. Chris Godwin is a free agent. Levante David is a free agent. You know, we mentioned Leonard Fournette. I mean, you go on and on, Shady McCoy and Antonio Brown. They're not going to have the money to sign half these guys, and maybe less than half because the salary cap is going to go way down by virtue of the fact that very few teams could even have any fans, much less sold-out stadiums during the pandemic. So this is going to be really, you know, a, a hard thing to kind of patch together for 2021 with little money and that many key free agents. And, you know, I mean, Bruce Arian said, look, Shaq isn't going anywhere, and nor does he want to because he knows, you know, especially with Jason Pierre-Paul here. Um, but that's a lot of money to pay those outside pass rushers, and yet that's their best players. And if defense is going to help you win championships, you're going to have to keep them. So something to keep an eye on. But, um, you know, I think – I think it's pretty obvious the way he's playing that Shaquille Barrett's going to get to double digits again, which is pretty good. You know, you go from 19 and a half, then teams, you know, game plan for mm-hmm. you. They throw it quick. They chip on you. They do all these things because now you're a marked man. You go back out there and get 10, right? That's 10 or huge. 11 sacks. That's huge. That, that's, that's, you know, that's 30 in two years. Now you're a 15 average guy, but you're a double, you're a solid double digit guy. Now you can get the hundred and, you know, 12 million or whatever it is that he had hoped to get, you know, earlier, not the youngest cat in the world. I mean, he's 20, I think he's 27, but, um, but still, um, maybe 28 almost, but you know, that's that, that production is off the chain. Good. So that'll be, that'll certainly be something to watch. And those guys were really good at the end of games. And that's the thing. They hadn't had a lead in so long that when you get teams and make them one dimensional, um, and Kirk Cousins, they've been hit a lot, but um, that that was huge. That was huge for them, and and that's the sort of defense that they you know that they need to play that they were playing earlier. Okay, here's what we haven't talked about, and I want to I gotta give. Don't know what you were doing if you saw it live or not. I watched this whole game. I was fascinated, and I didn't necessarily think that this would ever happen. That LSU could actually beat the Gators because LSU has been god-awful this year, and, and they were missing half the god-awful team that they had put out there. Um, and they were also down to, I think, their third or fourth quarterback. And they got a it new was Tiger somebody, King. Yeah, right, a new Tiger King. And it's somebody we all know. It, it was Brad Johnson's kid, Max. <laughs> I mean, and I got to doing the math on this, and I, I already feel, you know, every day I feel old enough for many reasons, not the least which is, I've seen some players that I covered. I've seen their sons in the league. Um, but Max Max Johnson was in his dad's arms after they won the Super Bowl or as the clock was ticking down. And he couldn't have been a year old or you know, he was he wasn't an infant, but like he was a he was a little toddler toddler dude. He was like maybe a year. And I started doing the math, I was like, wait a minute, that was January of oh three. We're almost to 2021. So how old would the kid be? He'd be like 18 years old? Maybe 19? I, I, I mean, I don't know when his birthday is, but 
It just doesn't work. I mean, he is a he's a true freshman out of high school. A year ago, he was playing in the state, you know, the state semifinals or whatever in uh, in Georgia. His dad coaches um, coaches his team and and now his brother's team in Athens, in the Athens area. Um, but yeah, Max Johnson went in there and the kid did one hell of a job. I mean, he didn't make the big mistake. He he didn't. I tell you this, he didn't get his speed from Brad because Brad couldn't run a lick. Um, he can actually get outside the pocket and do some things. He he made quick decisions. He was accurate with the football. He took care of it, and he beat the Gators. And he did it in no small part because I think if the Gators get the ball back with four minutes or so to go, like they should have, then Trask goes down and gets them in field goal range or whatever they kick they kick it and win. Um, but instead, you had the great Marco Wilson, <laughs> and. I got to be honest with you, because I covered the Gators. That is one unforgiving group of fans in Gainesville and around and around the state. Um, this kid, I don't know that he's going to be great enough to outplay that one mistake, because it's going down in Florida lore. I mean, it it very well, Steve, may have cost them a national championship. So if you didn't see the play. You know they're going to get the ball back. He makes a tackle, and on, the guys on third down. It's going to be fourth on third down. down. Yeah, yeah. They're going to get off the field. They're going to force a punt. He makes a tackle, and the guy's shoe comes off, and then he takes the shoe, and sort of like, not really in like a uh, taunting, well, a little bit in a taunting way, but a, just kind of a confident way, like that. You know, he tackled the guy, and he's holding the shoe, and he takes it and he chucks it twenty yards downfield, and here come the flags. And you're thinking, oh, goodness, what did this guy just do? Well, personal foul, right, unsportsmanlike conduct, whatever they call it. And it's an automatic first down. They go down. I like the official actually said. He threw the shoe 20 yards down the field. Threw the shoe 20 yards downfield. You're thinking, well, what if it was 10 yards downfield? What if he dropped the shoe? What if he threw it five yards? You know, what if he put it back on the guy's foot? Um, Yeah, it was a great call. It was a great call. And we always complain the, the officials don't tell you enough. That one, right. he told you exactly what happened. That was plenty of detail, yeah. <laughs> and and that's sort of which uh, caused, you know, Florida's coach, of course, Dan Mullen, later to say, I guess it's a penalty if you throw somebody's shoe. <laughs> yeah, it is. Can't find it in the rule book. Sorry. That would be an interesting one. Hey, show me in the rule book where picking up a guy's shoe and throwing it 20 yards is a penalty. If nothing else, um, but it's it, a delay of game if you don't want yeah, to call exactly. sportsman-like conduct. But. Yeah, it was on sportsman or delay of game. It was something. But what it was is a first down and, and got LSU close enough, and I say close enough, their kicker hit an absolute bomb. I mean, 57 yards through the fog. In the, the fog. fog, yeah, in the fog. You know, <laughs> we think it went through. No one could see it, but we think it went through. I mean, and he he's known for his strong leg, but it it yes. was it was a great kick. It was an absolute bomb. And then Florida, to their credit, I mean, they got the ball back down there, but they, they had to try a 51-yarder and missed. Game over. Gators lose to a really bad LSU team that was depleted of its best players who opted out or were in the NFL, what have you. And Max Johnson making his first college start in the swamp, mom and dad in attendance. And he pulls that off and... It was great to see, you know, they kept showing um, Brad and Nicky all the time during the game, and then he went up went up to him and got a big hug. And I was I was thinking to myself, you know, the hug that – I bet that one felt better than the hug he got from 
Max when he was just a toddler after they won the Super Bowl because, and you know this, Steve, and you'll get to know this even more as your kids play because uh, I know you coach, that there is nothing, nothing more rewarding than to see your kids do stuff <laughs> like in sports. I mean, you it, it's agonizing because you feel for them every time something bad goes on or doesn't go the right way. But I can't, and I really mean this, I can't imagine what his parents must feel. And they've got another son who is recruited, being recruited by both Florida and LSU as a tight end. And I was texting with uh, with Brad back and forth the next morning. He got back to me, and he said, uh, he goes, you'd love him. He goes, he plays like Gronk. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> How, what do you got to do to what do you got to do to create that? Uh, but hey, you know, two two sons are going to play Division One football, and who knows where they go from there. But I that was. It was an entertaining football game. No matter if you're rooting for the Gators, you hated it. It was just grueling. But I thought it was one of the better football games I've seen all year. Now, what does that mean for Florida? I mean, if they beat Alabama, right? But now they're a now they're a, a two loss team, aren't they? Yes, they've lost and to so, Texas A&M and now the LSU. Yeah, and so LSU is a bad loss. I mean, Texas A&M is a good team. Yeah, and A&M's actually ranked ahead of them, but. But if you beat Alabama, if you beat the best team, you know, arguably, or one of the best top two teams in the country, if you want to say Ohio State, whatever, that's that that doesn't guarantee you one of these four spots. Well, I, I, even with the loss, Alabama probably stays in. They probably stay in. With yeah. the eye test. Clemson, Notre Dame, winners definitely in. And if, if Notre Dame, if, if Clemson wins... That means Clemson and Notre Dame each have one loss. They both could be in Ohio State. And, yeah, is, Ohio you know, assuming they beat be Northwestern, in. they're in. They're in, right? So you could get shut out if they go either Notre Dame, Clemson, or Alabama. No matter what, even and, and the you, committee could still look at Cincinnati. I don't think they will in those scenarios. Right. I think you know. I think Florida definitely has to lose for Cincinnati. For Cincinnati to have a shot, what Florida's got to lose. Clemson's got to lose. Clemson's got to lose to have two losses. Right. Uh, I don't. Does A and M play again this week? I don't. Even, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure either. Because I know there's some rescheduled games. Yeah, I mean their their windows tougher, but but yeah, I mean it's look. I mean, and I feel bad for Marco Wilson because I don't think I there, do there was it's nothing horrible. premeditated about it. No, it was, it was excitement and you know whatever else, but. In, in today's game, when, when every time you make a play, you demonstrate and show, that's what happens sometimes. Um, I feel bad but for him. But, but, but it cost Florida a shot at the national title, potentially. It also potentially cost did. Trask a shot at the Heisman. That too, yes. Because I think if he's not in the playoff, he's not getting the Heisman. Well, the only thing is, I, and I could be and, wrong and, and about it, this. It stopped him from having a potential game-winning drive. The only thing I think about that is I, I, I might I believe I'm correct when I say this. We can check with Matt Baker that the voting occurs after the championship game, the the conference championship, and not yes, yeah. I think he still before. got a shot, but but it would have been a, a potential game winning drive. Yes, you know? that vaults your team into the SEC title, and if you win that, you're in the championship, yes. no doubt, and that's a better resume than 
you know, lost Alabama right. and now you're yeah. done. Or, uh, it may you know. not have cost them. And, 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 you know, we may never know because it, everything else. I mean, Alabama beats Florida this weekend, as many predict they will. And it's probably Mac Jones anyway, no matter what happened last week. Because he probably Florida outplays LSU. Trask in yeah. that instance. Yeah. yeah, If they win, most likely, yes. What's interesting is that even though they put a ton of points on the board and Jones threw for a lot of yards, it wasn't his best game, especially early on against Arkansas. He struggled. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a couple turnovers. Um, I think both teams know. looked ahead some. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, for, look, that's I mean, thing, Alabama's man. playing Arkansas and, and you know, Florida. Yeah. I mean, LSU's a brand name, but they're not that good of a team, and both teams are looking ahead. I mean, they're already in the SEC championship. I think, right. I think there was some of that going on in both those games. Oh, no doubt. And and that's the thing about college. You get it in pros sometimes too, but like especially in college football because – You're talking 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You've got to remember the age. They're kids. They're just kids, and they're they're full of emotion. You know what I mean? And you can't tell them anything. I mean, I know. I've, ri- I've raised kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and for whatever reason, you can say, hey, don't take these guys lightly. You know what they do? They take people lightly, you know? It's it's just it's it's inevitable. It's like don't do that. You're gonna you're gonna fall. Boom, they fall. Why didn't you listen to me? I told you you're gonna fall. Okay, now you know. Because they got to experience everything first. Mm-hmm. You got they got to live it before. Now they know. Now they know you're not an idiot. So, um, like I try to tell my children, hey, don't make every mistake that that I made. You can actually go around some. That's what I'm here for. No, no, no. We want to go through them. So, mm-hmm. um, that's just the way it goes. And and I think. You know, you're right. I think they looked ahead. I think, and, and not well, that, and, and they probably celebrated some. I mean, we're in the SEC championship. Yes, of you know, course. we finally knocked off Georgia. We finally have, have made we made the, the championship, yeah. and, and you're ready yeah. to play it now. Except that's not this week's game, and not this week's and game. You read your press and, clippings, and everyone's telling you yeah. how great you are, and and it's you know it's easy to slip into. And they are great, and really they mm-hmm. they move the ball all over the field. I mean, it's not like LSU stopped them; they kind of stopped themselves at times, and. You know, had some things happen in the red zone in different places where, you know, they played well enough to win. They just didn't play good situational football. You know, much like the other day, you know, watching the Bucks, and they were getting outplayed. They had a two-to-one time of possession deficit. Um, you know, all of that, right? But for some reason. They had a better field goal kicker. They had a better field goal kicker, <laughs> exactly. You don't say that very often with the Bucks, but hey. <laughs> I know. It's been years that it's gone that way. Dan Bailey, by the way. Oof. That, that was a career. Uh... Brady was asked about him, too, by the way. He goes, yeah, you know, uh, uh, you feel really bad for the guy. Not so much when he's missing against you, but you hope after, you know, after he goes forward, especially have to play somebody that will help you get in the playoffs. That he has success. I don't know that Dan Bailey's going forward anywhere. Um, as we do this podcast, I imagine he's probably been let go, but perhaps not. Uh, anyway, it was uh, yeah, that was tough to watch, and I do feel so. You know, and the thing about it is, and this is not like mistakes in the past. I mean, social media is so bad. You know, it, it's it's a nasty place sometimes or most times, and. Gator fan is just going to destroy Marco Wilson. I don't know what the kid can ever do to outlive that. If he if he can be great enough of a player, you know, to outplay that one mistake in the eyes of Gator fans. And that's what bothered me about covering college football, I'll be honest. Like, I did it two years with Florida, and they were in trouble, and we wrote a lot of stories that made it worse for him and all that. But the hardest thing for me, 
and it always has been. And Tom and I have talked about this on this podcast and on radio a lot was I have a big problem with everybody in college football and college athletics in particular, the athletic departments making these incredible amount of revenue. Sometimes the big schools, a hundred, $125 million a year. And everybody wants to talk about, well, you get a free education. Okay. First is not free and all that. You have to earn it, you know, um, all of that. But the guys that, that don't get paid, you know, are the product are the players and they have money for everything else. But then, you know, these fat cat boosters that, you know, buy out these coaches contracts for 25 million, they get in their RVs and their Winnebago's or whatever. And they take, take the crew up to, uh, Nashville to watch the Gators kick the crap out of Vanderbilt. When you're thinking, why would you go to this game? And then if some 18 year old kicker misses a field goal, they're booing, they're booing him like, like he's a professional. Right. And I get it's his job. Like that's his deal is to, you know, be a scholarship athlete. You can make it a free throw shot or, you know, a strikeout or whatever you want to say about it. But you, I just, I don't get it. Like these are still amateurs, right? They're still, they're still young men and women. And to see, you know, older folks just like live and die on what these, what these athletes do. I feel sorry for Marco Wilson because I know how vicious that fan base can be and any fan base for that matter. I'm not picking on the Gators per se, but I was there. Yeah. There's always, so, you know, there's always a level to it. Like, yeah, you know, the NFL, you can be more critical because right. those guys because are getting they're pros. Paid. They're getting paid. That's, that's the difference to me. Hey, it's <clears> like, that's their mm-hmm. job that comes with the job. You, we know what we, there's no, you know, there's none of this fall like, oh, they're student athletes. When I say they're athletes, you say they're students. And when I say they're students, you say they're athletes. But it's not the student athlete. No, let's, there's no hypocrisy here. College football, college sports is a business. It's a huge business. They get a better deal than the NFL because they don't have labor to deal with, right? But in the NFL, that's why I enjoy covering it. Everything's on the table. Everybody knows it's a, it's a what have you done for me lately. You know, it's a production, bottom-line business. Coaches, players, everybody. And there's no pretense about that. So when guys get criticized, you know, or put on, you know, blast for, you know, screwing up in a game or, or you know, whatever, it's fair game because they're professionals. That's what their job is. That's their job. You know, that's their performance. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a bad movie. We're going to say it's a bad movie. It's a bad game. We're going to say you had a bad game. So, but with college football, it's, you can't have it both ways. You can go, whoa, 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 these are student athletes. Let's be careful here. And then. Well, you even start to see it in some of the high schools now. And that's even worse. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. You know, yeah, I've, there's, there's, I've seen broadcasts and, and comments of high school kids, and you're like, they're high school kids. I mean, do they make mistakes? Do they, they you know, but of it's, course. it's also teaching moments and. Right, you know, they're growing as people. Yeah, I mean, I made a ton of mistakes when I was in high school. Oh God, in college, I, I mean, know you, you did. Know, not sports, but <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> no thanks. No, I know. I know what I did. Usually, go. Yeah, so did I. But I know you did. Um, yeah, it's it it's fil- it filters down. I mean, you know, yeah, college is scouting kids in middle school these days. I mean, just just um, look at a just look at a high school player recruit that you know commits to a college, and then if they decommit and go somewhere else. 
Oh, Look at their blasted. comments in social media. It's awful. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, I get you're a fan and you'd like the player to go to your school, but you know, you see some of those comments and it's a, it look, it's a small number. It's not the majority of people, but yeah. But it's ugly. Yeah. I felt bad for him. I I did and and yeah, it was a dumb mistake and it but was done it was done out of emotion of having made a play and a big play to get him off the field and it winds up beating him, but no one talks about, you know, all the mistakes that the offense made, not finishing drives and you know all of that. So We'll see. And we had a chance to uh, talk to Roger Goodell, the uh, Tampa Bay media. Anyway. RG, been in, you know, as you call yeah, it. My good friend, RG. I know Roger. We go way back. We spent some time at some parties together. His party, mostly, the NFL party, Super Bowl parties, which we won't be going to this year. I was going to say. Um, or owner meetings parties, actually. And Goodell, you know, he was in town. Um, he took in the Bucks and the Vikings game. He, he kind of flew in, you know, on Sunday morning, I think, and uh, met with business owners or businessmen in the area and then, you know, toured most of, if not all, of Raymond James to see what they've done. Because, you know, they've upgraded that stadium. I think the Glazers put like $160 million into it and the count, the Hillsborough County did, um, all that TSA, all of that, you know, with the new club, seat, club suites and, and lounges and different things that they've added and all the, you know, the enhanced scoreboards, the sound system and so he hadn't I don't think he had a had a chance to really look at you know the enhancements they made for the Super Bowl and um was very impressed with it. And of course it was a gorgeous day. He sat outside, said his family sat outside um for about a quarter, quarter and a half. Felt completely completely safe and comfortable because there's a lot of distancing. There was only I think it was uh 15,000 or 16,000 something like that, 300 something odd people. So um, you're very, you feel safe, you know, it's a group of four here and then there's no one in the row in front behind side. So you're, you're well separated from everybody. Um, presumably everybody's supposed to wear PPE and a mask and, uh, at the very minimum. So, you know, he talked about that. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that they just don't know, you know, what the, what the circumstances will be. I mean, the Super Bowl still being now as we, you know, as we, as you listen to this podcast, 54 days away. A lot of things can change, but, you know, they have to follow CDC guidelines. That's the key. And, you know, right now it's separation out for outdoor events and, and so on. So they're going to do that. Um, they're not putting a number on the number of people capacity that will be there. But I would imagine that it's going to be close to but not really exceed by very much what the Bucks are doing now. I'm thinking probably max. Maybe twenty thousand. If you wanted to, you know, have some private groups and suites and things like that. Don't they usually add some seats to the south end zone? They can. Yes, they could some add bleachers some bleachers in the, that. Where yes, they could, they could add it more. to the it's to the north end zone in front of the pirate ship. Usually, okay. Yep. Um, or the south. I guess you can do it either side. But yeah, they do add some, and so that might provide some more uh, ability to separate some more seats because right now you're just separating the the permanent ones, the ones that are fixed in the stadium. So, yeah, well, I mean, and again, things change fast. You know, the other thing I asked, I mean, it's going to be a totally different Super Bowl. First of all, you know, normally there would be all kinds of events for people to go to, including and notwithstanding, uh, you know, teams arrive and usually Sunday night or at least by Monday, 
there's a what they call like Super Bowl Sunday night, Super Bowl Monday night, whatever, where the teams come out and it's a it's a it's really a media day. It, it's media day, but you can view it. Fans can. That would have been held at uh, Amelie Arena, mm-hmm. and they got all the podiums set up and a bunch of players, and you can get a radio and you can sort of adjust to what what player you want to listen to be interviewed. And it's a crush of media and all that stuff. And then, you know, there's a bunch of things during the week um, capped off by NFL Honors, which is their award show. And it's a big deal. I mean, for one thing, the Hall of Fame class is announced. And you might see John Lynch um, get into the Hall of Fame. I think he missed it by one vote a year ago. He's been one of the 15 finalists for like the last seven, eight years. So that's going to be disappointing, but they're going to have it. It's just going to be more sort of like a draft presentation, a made-for-TV event, um, you know, with a lot of Zooms and different things. Um, but people aren't going to be able to go. To, they're not going to have attendance at some of these. these um, so it's a very watered-down, you know, safety-conscious, safety-first, you know. Um, we don't want to have super spreader event Super Bowl. Super, super Bowl, not super spreader. You don't want Super Spreader 55, Super Bowl 55. But, and I don't think corporations are come to, going to come down here. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sort of plugged into the hospitality business a little bit with my, what my wife does and things. And, uh, you know, corporations are not scheduling parties like they normally would. They're not bringing in a lot of people. So the economic impact is going to be really down. I mean, you know, incredibly low compared to what a Super Bowl would be. And so Goodell was asked, hey, you know, will the owners give more consideration the next time to whatever the next Super Bowl is to Tampa since it kind of got ripped off a little bit. It's not their fault. And he wouldn't commit to it, but he did acknowledge that, hey, look, you know, and it seems like that's the case every time Super Bowl's here is Gulf War or something. Um, But depending on how Tampa responds, the owners look favorably upon that. And they've already had... I think he said it was the fourth most Super Bowls of any city at this point. So they like coming here. But here's the thing. If this would have been L.A. Super Bowl, which it was supposed to be. Right. And this happened to L.A. and that question came up. The answer would be absolutely we're coming back. I totally agree. Yeah. And why couldn't you just say it? Why couldn't you just say? Because, of course, Tampa was a fallback. I mean, we that what? Oh, nine was the last Super Bowl that Tampa's hosted. Oh, nine. Yeah. Pittsburgh against the Cardinals. And. Mm -hmm. We, ha- you know, Tampa hadn't been awarded one. Th- they've been awarded through twenty twenty three or four or even five. Three or four, point. yeah, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think like twenty six is awarded, but there's still twenty five something like that. Right. And Tampa hadn't won any of them. Nope. I mean, you know, Goodell says though they're always in, you know, right there, but they haven't mm-hmm. been awarding them to Tampa. I mean, this was a, you know, they have a rule that you can't host a Super Bowl in the stadium's first year. Well, the L.A. Stadium got delayed. Right. It didn't open last season as it was ex- initially planned. Right. So it opened this season so they couldn't host the Super Bowl, which is why Tampa has it. Yeah, it's it, it's exactly why they have it. And it's sort of that's what we're known for. We're known for, you know, being that scramble city. Um, well, that, and, and you look, uh, you know, the the Lightning and, and the Tampa Sports Commission did it with the NHL All-Star Game. A few All-Star years ago. Game, yeah. Exactly. You know, with at the last minute they awarded it with a lot less time, and you know, because they know Tampa can pull off those things. Yeah, we're the, Rob we're Higgins the girl, and the sports commission do a fantastic job. We're the girlfriend that always takes the the guy back. You know what I mean? Like no matter <laughs> no matter what he does, 
It's like, ah, yeah, I know you were, I know you were running around and, and, you know, for two years, oh, come on back. Let's, I forgive you, you know? Um, but in a pinch, that's what, that's what Tampa is known for. So, and they'll pull it off again. I'm, I'm quite convinced like that it'll be under the circuit and it'll be memorable and it'll be emotional. Like there's a lot, there's a lot to this 2021 number one. And, and, you know, as you know, the day we talked to Goodell, you know, we're watching history uh, with people getting the first vaccines for for coronavirus, uh, for COVID-19. And, you know, it's healthcare workers. And I even asked Roger, because I got to ask a question after everybody else had. It was like next to last. Um, I don't know how that happened. But anyway, by the time they got to me, I was like, hey, uh, about these vaccines that are out there. <laughs> because, look, we're not naive. I mean, the league... You know, somehow they managed to make a deal with a, some testing sites, and when tests weren't really that available, every team in the NFL had an unlimited amount of them. How'd they do it? Well, they they paid for it. That's how they did it. Money talks. So I thought I'd ask, we're 55 days away, Raj. Um, how will this vaccine impact the players or the coaches or the staffs? Uh, because, you know, are you going to try to get – them vaccinated at some point like is the nfl going to try to take care of this for their players? And he's like look that's handled at a at another level it's not it's not in our hands and states have their own priorities and the priorities are you know medical personnel first responders uh at risk uh folks you know elderly etc and he goes we're not we're not part of those groups so no we're not uh we're not attempting to try to have you know vaccines provided to players right now because we're not eligible so he shut that question down pretty fast and and look that's the way you really want it to be i mean you know i want first oh, responders for sure. and, and those that are in the biggest need to for sure to get now as much as i want to see the super bowl played in sports and, and i enjoy it but you know the priorities are the, those that are at risk absolutely Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Finally, just a quick raise note. Hunter Renfro, who was their big home run hope that they uh, brought in from San Diego, I guess, Steve, they, they had a chance to go. They could have gone to arbitration with this guy. They could have done some things to keep him around. Well, they needed roster spots to protect some of the guys for, from Rule 5 and that they had yeah. to add to the 40-man roster. So one of the ones they made was they DFA'd Hunter Renfro. And he essentially got the same kind of money he would have got in arbitration, but he gets it from the Red Sox. Right. But, I mean, you know, the other problem is the Rays have a lot of outfielders they do. at this point. So looking at his production last season and, and what you project this year and and the other guys you have that obviously you feel more confident in, then that's the decision they made. So he goes to the Red Sox. And they did him a solid by by letting him go now because they could have, you know, waited until some of those jobs were being – you know, taken by guys that were released or whatever as free agents come around. But, um, yeah, it, it just, look, it, there's better outfitters here. 
He's always been a streaky player in terms of hitting and home runs and things like that. It'd be damn interesting to see him with the green monster, though, if he gets the ball up in the air enough. Problem is, he strikes out so much, but that's just what you get with him. Um, pretty good outfielder, yeah. good arm. Yeah, streaky that. hitter that just never found many streaks. Right, right. No, no, not <laughs> or no many good, good ones, ones, at least. Yeah, he found some streaks that just weren't very good ones. So, yeah, happy trails to Hunter Renfro as the uh, as the Rays. Uh, that's not the outfielder that most Rays fans would be upset about if they got rid of, by the way. Um that would be KK, but uh, as we as we sit here tonight, or you know, and do this podcast um, for Tuesday, uh, he is still a good part of the race. Hey, tomorrow uh, we're going to have Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, your favorite as well. Now with the Pointer Institute, will be with us on the podcast, maybe for a night or two. We'll see, uh, friends. Hey, remember to uh, check out Mister Empanada. They, first of all. They want to wish you guys a very, very Merry Christmas. They want to make sure we told you that. you got the holidays coming up. What better way to celebrate uh, than getting your family safely uh, together at Mr. Empanado's? Or uh, if you want to uh, gather in your homes, uh, any gathering can include their mini empanadas or their Cuban sandwiches. Mr. Empanado really uh, appreciates their customers. They want to show you how eager they are to move on to 2021. So all you have to do is go ahead and order online for your party platters at mrempanada.com. Or you can call any one of the seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. For Steve Hurstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.